Warning, this podcast may contain strong explicit language as this is my personal opinions on football. Listener discretion advised. You are now listening to The Stumpy Show. What is going on everybody and welcome to another episode of The Stumpy Show. As always, I'm your host Kyle Stump, aka Stumpy. And in the previous episode, I just had my playoff breakdown of all the teams that made it into the playoffs and who I personally think might be the Super Bowl matchup. And now we go to the other side of things and look at the teams that did not make it and what their flaws were all season and what prevented them from making it in. So let's get started on that. Well, first off, on the AFC side, I will go from East to West. Off at the AFC East and with the New York Jets. And I knew this was going to be a long season for them to start off. And I mean, this season was to prove if Zach Wilson's senior year at BYU was a flop or not. And for the most part, it kind of seemed like it. And part of this was his fault, but part of this was not at the same time because of the core around him. And that isn't just on the offense, but on the defense as well. I mean, I figured coming into this season, Robert Sally wasn't going to change the team overnight when he was first hired to the Jets from the San Francisco 49ers as their offensive coordinator. Scratch that, my bad defensive coordinator for the 49ers although also I never would have guessed that their receiver core wouldn't had a player reach above of 600 receiving yards but the only receiver with the most yardage was rookie Elijah Moore who had 538 yards and five touchdowns and Corey Davis who was brought in to the team from the Tennessee Titans to bolster this wide receiver core didn't do much as well with them having 492 yards and four touchdowns. And with this defense, it's been all right. Although definitely not not, not anything to brag about when your sacks leader has only six, with that being Quinton Williams and John Franklin Myers. I mean, this defense has shown a little bit of strengths at times, but for the most part, they're flossed. And in the draft, they will pretty much bolster up that defense because not only do they have this their own pick, but they had the pick from Seattle as part of the Jamal Adams trade to send Jamal Adams to Seattle. But time will tell what will happen to this Jets team. Next off, the Miami Dolphins. A team that definitely looked lost at the beginning of the season, going on a seven-game losing streak after winning their first game against us, the New England Patriots. Until out of nowhere, midway, they just started winning. Winning seven in a row, the first team to ever do so. Going from a seven-game losing streak to a seven-game winning streak. That's kind of impressive. I mean, with that losing streak, it didn't, didn't really help help them much with Tua missing time. And Jacoby Brissett didn't do that bad, but he pretty much could have done better. And for wide receivers, Jalen Waddell is starting to look promising. And he looks like he's not going anywhere anytime soon. And Waddell broke a record for most receptions by a rookie, which was previously held by Anquan Bolden back in 2003. With Bolden having 101 receptions, and Waddell just breaking that by a few with 104. And Waddle just made it to the 1,000-yard mark. And when I said that last season the Dolphins' defense overachieved, I was pretty much right during their seven-game losing streak. But then I was a little proven to be wrong. And besides Micah Parsons from the Dallas Cowboys, Jalen Phillips 
starting starting to look like one of the top defensive defensive rookies from this draft class with him having 8.5 sacks on the year but was just a half a sack shy of leading the team in sacks which was held by Emmanuel Ogbog with nine and also you see another Pro Bowl caliber year with from Xavier Howard who had five interceptions on the year. And his lone pick six came from against us. But if only this team would have defeated Tennessee, then they wouldn't have been eliminated and they probably would be in the playoff hunt right now. Maybe. Or they could have been just short. And you think this team is pretty much going to be better next year? That was until management became total idiots and fired Brian Flores. And I don't know in their right mind why they did that. Don't really know if it was because of the potential Deshaun Watson to Miami rumors. Or also that management expected Flores to take this team to the playoffs. And if you would have given Flores more time, he would have brought this team to the playoffs next next year. But nope, we will never see that. And now on to the AFC North and start off with the Cleveland Browns. And all I gotta say is, what kind of a season was that? After making your first playoffs in a very long time, and winning your first playoff game in a very long time, you would be expected to do way better. But in this situation, that was not the case for the Browns. And you can say all you want that Baker Mayfield had a shoulder injury throughout the entire season, but for the mo- but for the most part, if that was the case, he should have gotten the surgery way before the season started. And that pretty much hurt the Browns in this situation. That and your offensive line going back and forth between injured reserve and back on the field. And the only person that was pretty much carrying you the entire season on offense was Nick Chubb with another 1,000-yard year and another Pro Bowl with Chubb having 1,259 yards all season. And the Browns were another wide receiving team who didn't have a wide receiver over 700 or 600 yards. With Donovan Peoples-Jones coming close to 600 with 597 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, this team was awful this year. Almost brought us to the days of the Browns when they were sucking. And on that front seven, Miles Garrett was doing his thing, who's pretty much came as advertised since he was drafted into the league back in 2017, first overall. And he still didn't have to smack anybody with a helmet to get his way. And even with a free agent pickup, Jadavian Clowney, who did better better than what people thought, who Clowney had nine sacks on the year. But he still hasn't, that, hasn't had that one year that he's exceeded ten sacks. And the secondary didn't look that bad either, with Denzel Ward having another Pro Bowl year, having three interceptions, and even free agent pickup John Johnson III, who came from the Rams, did really well too with three interceptions on the year. I mean, maybe the Browns might do a little better next year, with the fact that Baker Mayfield's getting that soldier shoulder surgery, which he should have gotten a while ago, and you've had a bunch of area have a bunch of areas to look into. And if Mayfield can't get it done next year or this year, then next year could be Baker Mayfield's final year in Cleveland. All I gotta say, Ravens, what happened? I mean, this team was going eight and three midway through the season and had the number one seed in the AFC almost locked up. But then all of a sudden, they collapse out of nowhere. And my question a little bit, 
Do you really think Lamar Jackson deserved his Pro Bowl spot? I've said it before and I've said it again. I don't think he did. And it doesn't really help that he suffered an ankle injury, which never would have guessed would have led him to miss the rest of the season. And have his replacement, Tyler, I can't believe it's not Lamar Jackson, Huntley. Which, I mean, Huntley filled in all right, but the rest of the team wasn't really doing their thing for the most part. One of the only players on the team who really did a lot was Mark Andrews, breaking a franchise receptions record with 107 receptions all year, which broke the previous record of Derek Mason, who had 103 receptions back in 2007. And Andrews put up 1,361 yards. And Marquise Brown w was almost to those numbers and was kind of looking like Anton his cousin Antonio a little bit. Just for his playing skills, not because of his off-the-field troubles. Although Marquise Brown ha doesn't have any off-the-field troubles. You know what I mean. And just made it to the 1,000-yard mark. And the league rusher was, unsurprisingly, Lamar Jackson throughout those 12 games. But at the time, it was, yes, because of him, but because J.K. Dobbins, Justice Hill, and Gus Edwards were all out to torn ACL injury torn ACLs, and had to bring in old fossils in Devontae Freeman, Latavius Murray, and Le'Veon Bell. And on defense, man, they mi definitely miss Matthew Judon a lot, since the person who's pretty much replacing him being Tyus Bowser, who had seven sacks on the year. And all season, the secondary didn't do much squat due to losing Marcus Peters due to a torn ACL before the season started and losing Marlon Humphrey halfway through. So that pretty much hurt the Ravens' defense a lot. Losing Judon to the Patriots, and losing Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey due to season-ending injuries. And if those injuries never would have happened, then uh, this team would have done a lot better and would have made the playoffs, and probably would have hung on to the first seed in the AFC. Now on to the AFC South. First up, Jaguars. I knew this was going to be a little bit of a long season. I mean, I would have expected more out of Trevor Lawrence. And Lawrence showed a little bit of signs of flashing out. But at other times, he's shown signs of collapsing. I mean, yes, rookies are going to have those mistakes all the time. But it looked like the Jaguars needed a lot of work. And the only thing notable that they did was crush Indy's playoff hopes in the final week of the season. And in the rushing game, it was definitely kind of insulting that the Jaguars picked up Travis Etienne, who was a, who was Lawrence's running back at Clemson. And I don't blame James Robinson for this. And he was doing really good before he went down to a season-ending injury, having 767 yards. Which, I mean, it's kind of a drop-off from his rookie year, but better than nothing. And with this team... On the receiving side, Marvin Jones didn't really do much until towards the end, who he was brought in to bring that team to a new level after he was a number two receiver for the Lions for so long, alongside Kelly, Kenny Galladay. But, I mean, 832 yards receiving isn't, isn't that bad. And over the, over the years with this defense, they went from Saxonville to Suctionville. Because for the most part, this de defense has sucked since 2017. I mean, you still have Josh Allen putting up big numbers with 7.5 sacks, but the secondary was getting exposed for the most part, with only Tyson Campbell having more than two interceptions for the entire year. And now because of this pathetic season that the Jaguars have had, 
they have the first overall pick two years in a row. And now you have either Aiden Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau coming your way, or if they want to bolster up the O-line, have Evan Neal on their list of people to draft with the first overall pick. And if that ends up happening, I probably wouldn't be surprised if they don't pick Hutchinson or Thibodeau and then select Evan Neal. Because it seems like the Jaguars need a lot of help on the offensive line. And it didn't really help matters most when their head coach, Urban Meyer, who was set to rebuild this team, got fired midway through the season. And now on to the Texans. We knew that the legal issues and possible departure of Deshaun Watson was going to hurt this team. And also the fact that longtime Texans defensive end J.J. Watt left too. And with with Tyrod Taylor starting off the year and then getting injured as he normally does, Davis Mills did all he could. And he's trying to make sure he does that the Texans don't pick up a quarterback in the draft. Either Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, or Malik Will- Willis. As Mills isn't wasn't trying to be like the best quarterback they have, but trying to be serviceable at best. And on offense, the only only player who was doing a lot of work was Brandon Cooks, who had another 1,000-yard season. And with J.J. Watt leaving on on the Texans' defense, it pretty much shows how much they needed him. And how much Watt meant to this team, even though half the time Watt was injury prone. I mean, you had Jonathan Grenard, who had eight sacks on the year. But that really isn't going to replace what Watt meant to this team. And literally, Bill O'Brien destroyed this team. And the stats that this team has shows that. And my question to this organization, was it really necessary to fire Dave Cully after one year? He was never really receiving a real chance. Like, this was a destroyed team. And that's something you couldn't, can't blame Cully for. As a matter of fact, you can blame this on yourselves, Texans management, because you allowed Bill O'Brien to become head coach and GM, and that failed miserably. And a lot of us fans could smell that from a thousand miles away. You got yourself into this mess, and you gotta find your way out, and we're not helping you. Next up, the Colts. All I gotta say is, what was that in that final game against Jacksonville? As a matter of fact, this would have been a good story to write about. This was another team who had a lost season at the beginning of the year, but somehow out of nowhere turned it all around and came this close this close to making the playoffs and Carson Wentz was kind of looking good a little bit but like I said collapsed when it mattered most and midway once Derrick Henry went down Jonathan Taylor was lighting up the world running everyone over and having 1,811 yards nearly and a couple of bigger games and he would have gotten 2,000. And he also had 18 t- rushing touchdowns in the process. As a matter of fact, this a lot of people were saying that Taylor should have been, could have been MVP. Which we don't know if that will be the case. And this season was also a, an overdue breakout year from Michael Pittman. Who had made it past the 1,000 y- yard mark. And had 6 touchdowns on the year. And at the time you can thank thank the offensive line for giving Wentz a lot of time and this defense was being their dominant self and even though he was a late bloomer in the season DeForest Buckner led the team in sacks with seven and it was another big year for Darius Leonard who who 
had 122 tackles on the year and almost led the and tied the team with in, in interceptions with four on the road to another Pro Bowl. And he's tied with a player who also made the Pro Bowl. As a matter of fact, his first one, that being Kenny Moore, who had four. But if only that, if only they'd beaten the Jaguars in Week 18. They they would be be in the playoffs right now instead of the Steelers. And then that game between the Steelers and Ravens would have been an all-for-nothing game. But the Colts haven't had a good record in Duval County in a long time. And lastly with the AFC, the AFC West, starting off with the Denver Broncos. And I swear, their list of quarterbacks is probably going to be longer than the Browns quarterbacks since 1999. But the for the Bronco, but with the Broncos, they're gonna have a list of all the quarterbacks they've had since Peyton Manning's final season, and you can add Teddy Bridgewater to that list. Which I mean, Bridgewater did all right, but was kind of proven to be that same quarterback that he was in Carolina, who was good but not good enough. And the only thing that was that was dominant was the rushing game of Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams, who each had 900 yards, with Gordon having 918 and Williams having 903. And this wide receiver core was showing a little bit of signs of getting a little better, as after a torn ACL ruined his season last year, Cortland Sutton came back with 776 yards receiving. And a little bit of a breakout year from Tim Patrick, who had 734 yards and five touchdowns. And you also had Noah Fant becoming a solid tight end, who had 670 yards and four touchdowns. And on defense, this team was not the best, but could have done a little better, but that was mostly in the front seven. With Justin Simmons putting up five interceptions on the year, and first-rounder Patrick's... Yeah, 2021 first rounder Patrick Sertan looking like he's going to be a top tier shutdown corner in the next few years with Sertan having four interceptions this season. Having a top tier wide receiver, not since Aki Talib or Chris Harris, the no fly zone, but probably a future shutdown corner since Champ Bailey that the Broncos have in their possession right now. And part of me is somewhat thinking that Simmons deserved this, deserved a playoff spot more than Byard, than Kevin Byard. But I mean, it's still up for debate. But my my thing going into the offseason with this team is get yourself a quarterback. I mean, rumors are, spoiling, are spiraling around saying that Aaron Rodgers might be coming to the team. You better hope that those rumors are true. The last AFC team, the Chargers, and this season kind of proved, well, mostly that last game proved, that you can take the Chargers out of San Diego, but not the San Diego out of the Chargers. And you had this season having Justin Herbert prove that his rookie campaign was no fluke, as he topped that and then some with over 5,000 passing yards and having 38 touchdowns. We've all said that Herbert is going to be a problem for a lot of teams in the near future, and this season proved that. And also, you have had Austin Eckler had himself a year with 911 yards all year on his way to 12 touchdowns, in which you could have made a, made a debate on whether or not he deserved a Pro Bowl spot too just like Herbert. And with the wide receiver core, this duo is going to be a lot of problems. The duo of Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, in which I don't really know how much Keenan Allen has left in the tank, as in the offseason, Keenan Allen's going to be turning 30. And a lot of skill position players don't really do that good 
around 30. Well, not quarterback backs, but wide receivers and running backs. And also part of the of Herbert and Williams and Allen's top tier seasons can be thanks to that revamped offensive line with the Chargers snagging Corey Lindsley from the Green Bay Packers in free agency on the road to his first Pro Bowl and snagging rookie Rashawn Slater 13th overall on the route to his first Pro Bowl. And I got a little bit of a feeling that the 2021 draft class was a good one. But time will tell how that will be. And on defense, you had Joey Bosa, who had 10.5 sacks on the year on the road to another Pro Bowl. And this team had two, had three different players who had two interceptions on the year. Derwin James, Kaiser White, and rookie Asante Samuel Jr., who is the son of former New England Patriots cornerback Asante Samuel. And at times, Samuel Jr. has shown signs of playing like his daddy. And it almost looks like he's probably going to be better than his daddy. But the only reason that the Chargers are not in the playoffs right now is thanks to head coach Brandon Staley. Which, don't get me wrong, Staley was a great coach this season. But it was just that one costly mistake against the Raiders that brought them way down and out of the playoffs. If only Staley had not called that timeout, then the Raiders wouldn't have had a play, wouldn't have run another play, and they probably would have tied as the as the Steelers would have gotten into the playoffs. Well, the Steelers' playoff hopes would have been dashed if if the Raiders and Chargers had tied that game. Now, Staley knows that this is a mistake he will not make again, and he'll have time to make it all up. And now on to the NFC, and we start off with the New York Giants. And boy, this team was awful. This season pretty much proved that Daniel Jones is not the guy that the Giants had hoped for. And yes, he missed the rest of the season due to a concussion, but still, he wasn't that good this year. And part of that is kind of proof that the off- their offensive line needs a lot of work, besides Jones having turnover problems. And that kind of proved that, that too. And it wasn't that m- good of a year in the rushing game, as Saquon Barkley pretty much flopped this season, and half of that didn't help that he was injured too. And Devontae Booker didn't do much matter, too. And this wide receiver core looked worse than it did. With free agent pickup Kenny Galladay not doing jack squat. As he hadn't had a touchdown all season. And had 521 yards to show for it. With him leading the team in receiving yards. (laughs) I mean, those are just laughable numbers. And this was after being the number one receiver in Detroit. Pretty much being the closest thing to Detroit having a top tier wide receiver since Calvin Johnson. And then first year leaving the team and onto a crappy Giants team. Puts up this these stats. And this defense was awful too. But the only two people doing a lot of work was in the secondary. That being with Xavier McKinney and James Bradbury. Who McKinney had five interceptions on the year. And and Bradbury having four. And the and the player leading the team in sacks was a rookie, that being Aziz Ojolari, who had eight sacks on the year. And not far behind him was Leonard Williams, who had 6.5. I mean, those, some of these numbers, these stats are just laughable on the Giants. And they got a dark future ahead of them. And my prediction for them in this offseason and what they should do, blow it up. 
just rebuild and start from scratch. And I mean, a, a good start to that by firing Joe Judge. And even though he announced his retirement, and even though he announced his retirement and general manager, Dave Gettleman had to go. And I mean, they're in a good position with the, in the draft that they have two first round picks, their first round pick and the other first round pick that they got from the Bears as part of the trade to have the Bears snag Justin Fields. And now onto the Washington, no, no need to be named. As Washington was another team who looked dead in the water, but out of nowhere made a late season splash, but was not good enough to make the playoffs. As a matter of fact, Taylor Heineke did his best to try to not be replaced, as Washington could be looking at a quarterback in the draft this year. And I mean, if Heineke had more, more passing yards... He would have been really good this year. And this was a not long removed after almost giving Tom Brady and the Buccaneers a run for their money. And also, you had a productive year from Antonio Gibson, who just made the 1,000-yard mark and had one, had seven touchdowns on the ground all year. And, and in receiving, who else was going to have a productive year besides Terry McLaurin, who just made the 1,000-yard mark and had five touchdowns on the year. And people were hyping up this defense so much, and that, and it was to a point that this team failed expectations, especially on defense. Now, I mean, you had Jonathan Allen lead the team in sacks with nine, but it didn't help matters most that his chemistry, yeah, that the team's the defense's chemistry wasn't that great, especially when a fight breaks out between him, Jonathan Allen, and Deron Payne during a game between them and the Cowboys. And it also didn't help matters most that Chase Young went down to a torn ACL. Now, I mean, you had Cole Holcomb had a, had a productive year with leading the team in tackle total tackles with 142, but it was mostly Bobby McCain who did most of the work in the secondary, who, having four interceptions on the year. And I don't know much of a plan for, the, for Washington in the near future, Besides, get a better name, even though their their new name will be announced soon. But part of me is thinking that they need a new quarterback. They need a new quarterback. But part of me is thinking fix the offensive line and fill some of those holes on defense that you thought didn't need to be filled, but do. Next off to the AFC, NFC North, and we start off with the Lions. Lions, Lions, sweet, sweet Lions. We knew coming into this year it was going to be a long year after losing quarterback Matthew Stafford and losing Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. And now it's your turn to rebuild. And with losing Stafford, you get oh, you get Jared Goff in a trade with the Rams. And Goff didn't do that good. I mean, he showed a little bit of signs of his former self, but not much after that. And I still can't believe it took you so long to finally get your first win. And then had two upset and upsetted two teams. Upsetted the Cardinals at one point and then won against the Packers. But that was a throwaway game for the Packers. Since the Packers clinched the NFC, the first seed in the NFC. And even though he was a late bloomer on offense, Amon Ross St. Brown has a bright future ahead of him having 912 yards, but just give him a few more years and he's going to be a star one of these days. And for this team, the 
team does need a lot of work on off- on the offensive line. I mean, it didn't really help matters most that they lost center Frank Rignow for the entire year and lost Taylor Decker to a certain amount of time. But I mean, with Snag and Panay Sewell, seventh overall, that pretty much helps the line a little bit. I mean, Sewell did struggle a little bit, but... But only time will change that. And this team has the second overall pick, which would be helpful because their defense, because the Lions' defense hadn't been that good, especially in the front seven. But they'll have to wait to see who the Jaguars snag, either Aiden Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau. And then the other pick, the other player who the Jaguars don't pick, is yours. Next off, the Bears. And the questions linger in the air who's going to start who was going to start for the Bears as Justin Fields and Andy Dalton were splitting snaps and Fields has shown signs of improving but has gotten his butt kicked one too many times and in the rushing game a productive year for David Montgomery who had 849 along with seven touchdowns all year but half this time this defense this Bears offense could have been better and but the but the Bears managed to have one 1,000-yard receiver, and that being Darnell Mooney, who had 1,055. And this Bears defense kept collapsing and collapsing, and it didn't really make matters better that Khalil Mack went down midway. But Mack had six sacks in the seven games he played, which isn't really that bad. But the main highlight of that defense was Robert Quinn, who broke a franchise record for most sacks in a single season with 18.5. And it was his first double-digit sacks season since when he was playing for the Rams. So, a long time. And also to point out, Roquan Smith, who could be a big-time player in the near future, led the team in total tackles with 163 and I feel like ever since that 2018 season that secondary has been awful and awful and in the offseason it's a good idea for them to rebuild from scratch I mean firing Matt Nagy who's been on the hot seat all year and firing Ryan Pace who's legend of mediocrity is a good start we just hope the the people who succeed them are better And next up, the Minnesota Vikings. And this team had been a confusing team. And it isn't just this year. It's been the past couple years. They show signs of being a top-tier playoff team. And then another time, they continue to collapse. And with that contract that Cousins signed a couple years ago, he's been living up to expectations for the most part. I mean, the stats show that he didn't have an awful season with 4,221 passing yards, along with 33 touchdowns and 7 interceptions. And even though he was limited to 13 games this season, Dalvin Cook still put on a clinic, putting up another 1,000-yard season. And back in 2020, the Vikings were lucky that the Eagles missed out on Jefferson and picked Jalen Rager, because I don't know how much of that trade to send Stephon Diggs to the Bills that they would regret, especially as that first-round pick that year turned out to be Jefferson and is definitely going to be a problem for years to come. And he has already proven that. First last season, broke in a record for most receiving yards by a rookie, which was previously held by Randy Moss back in 1998, and then puts up even bigger stats, 
to 1,616 yards and 10 touchdowns. But then that that rookie record for receiving yards was broken by his former teammate, Jamar Chase. And mostly what killed them most of the season this year was that they didn't have a top-tier defense. I mean, they still have Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr, and Harrison Smith, and then added Brashad Breland and... Xavier Woods and Patrick Peterson to try to bolster up the defense and part of that did work but not as much as it should have and this season pretty much brought up a breakout year from DJ Woodenham Woodenham. and the problem isn't just the team itself at times but the people running running it head coach Mike Zimmer fired after being with the organization for seven years and was pretty much this team's best coach since Bud Grant and that was a long time ago, back in the 70s, in the days of the Purple People Leaders. Half of, this, half of it wasn't really his fault. Fault. It was just, he exceeded his expiration date. And also another person on the front office being fired from the team. General Manager Rick Spielman. Fired after being with the organization for 10 years. In which he brought a bunch of late round players, who, players who, was, who were drafted in the later rounds in the previous drafts like Eric Kendricks. Daniil Hunter and Stefan Diggs and brought in a bunch of people who were undrafted free agents once the draft hit like Anthony Harris and Adam Thielen and he didn't have much success in the first round besides drafting Justin Jefferson back in 2020 but just like Zimmer he exceeded his his expiration date and now on to the NFC South and start with the Carolina Panthers and this team pretty much looked like that they were gonna make the playoffs at one point after starting out the year 3-0. and And Sam Donald wasn't looking awful at first. But little did we know halfway through that Jets Donald was back. And he was messing up big time throwing 13 interceptions on the year. And being sacked 35 times. And midway through the season they thought it was a good idea to bring back Super Cam. But little did we know that that was a big mistake. And since that game where he scored, scored a rushing touchdown shouted out, I'm back! I'm back! They were looking to win that game, but ever since then, they've lost every game. And it didn't help matters and that Christian McCaffrey was limited again, but to seven games. Because McCaffrey's only had like one couple good years, and then couldn't stay healthy since. And the only person that was putting work on offense was DJ Moore, who put up 1,000 yards, 1,157 exactly. And pretty much the other side of the ball, the defense was pretty much carrying the entire team. With Hassan Reddick in his first year as a Panther, putting up 11 sacks on the year. And also a breakout year from Brian Burns, who had nine sacks. And it was mostly the front seven that was doing a good amount of work. And for the secondary, only three players only had two interceptions on the year, that being Tante Johnson, Shaq Thompson, and Stephon Gilmore. And yet besides Thompson, the only other player who had them had more than 100 tackles total on that team was, De- was Jeremy Chin. And a little bit unsurprising, they decided to keep Matt Rule for another year. I would say get another quarterback, but that offensive line of theirs has been horrendous. And just a little bit of my opinion, if Donald had a better offensive line, then half of those mistakes, Donald wouldn't even be making. But time will tell what what they'll do. And next up, the Atlanta Falcons. And I mean, it wasn't like a long year for them, but part of the time... They just wanted this game to be o- this season to be over, and this has been the first full year that Matt Ryan was playing without his number one receiver Julio Jones. 
And at the same time, Matt Ryan is getting a little old. But part of this is think thinks the offensive line needs a little bit more work. I mean, we don't know how long Alex Mack still has in the league under center. And you would think that a little bit until that guard who was from New England, Chris Lindstrom, didn't have, give up a single sack all year. But I'm not saying Lindstrom plays for the Patriots. When I say, say he's from New England, he's from Massachusetts. And was pretty much snubbed on the Pro Bowl and the fir first team All-Pro team. And this year was a long year for the receiver core. As Calvin Ridley missed, played five games and then missed the rest of the season due to focusing on his mental health. I mean, that is um, very important. So, half the, so pretty much we don't blame Ridley for doing that. But half the time, we don't know what his status will be next year. I mean, some rumors are up in the air that he could possibly be traded. But I feel like if they, if Atlanta does that, they will regret it. But also, they need a lot of work on defense. I mean, in the, in the front seven, they didn't have anybody exceed more than five sacks all year. With the sack leader on the team being Dante Fowler, and he only had four and a half sacks. But they had the tackles leader on their team being Forsade Aluokun, if that's how you pronounce it, who had 192 tackles all year and was snubbed of the Pro Bowl. And also, you had another player who had a breakout year this season, that being... In 2020 first-rounder, A.J. Terrell, who had three interceptions and 16 passes defended. In the receiving game, I forgot to mention that the league receiver was rookie Kyle Pitts, who was going to be a problem for plenty of teams to come. And his first year nearly breaking a record, almost breaking Mike Ditka's 60-year-long record for most receiving yards in a rookie year as a tight end. But what sucks about th about this season for him is that he only had like one touchdown to show for it this year. But maybe more are to come. But the Falcons need a lot of work. And it shows, whether it's quarterback, offensive line, or defense. And now we go on to the Saints, as this year was the first year in the post-Drew Brees era. And this team was a bit confusing, as at the beginning of the season, they didn't look awful. And as a matter of fact, they looked like they were going to be a surprise wildcard team. And Jameis Winston was limiting those mistakes that pretty much ran him out of town in Tampa Bay. But in that game against his former team was where he tore his ACL, and the team was pretty much mediocre for the rest of the season. And I mean, Trevor Simeon didn't look that bad either. And the Saints have a solid offensive line, besides that one game where they let up eight sacks against Miami. But this team could have gone places if it wasn't for injuries. And Alvin Kamara tried to carry this team as much as he could, and even though he was limited to 13 games and had 898 yards and four touchdowns to show for it. And the receiving core was a mess all year. And they were without their top wide receiver throughout the entire year, Michael Thomas. And the only other option that was doing solid was Marquise Calloway who had 698 yards and six, six touchdowns to show for it. And this season was pretty much the defense holding it down, as Demario Davis led the team in tackles with 105. And this season was another dominant season for Cameron Jordan, who put up 12.5 sacks. And also a solid breakout year from Marcus Davenport, who had nine sacks. And three different players in the secondary had three interceptions all year, that being Marshawn Lattimore, Paulson Adebo, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, and P.J. Williams. But it's pretty much the offense that the Saints have to work on all 
in the offseason. And just hope another year like this one doesn't come back to bite them. And I mean, this this record was kind of respectable, especially after losing a legend to retirement. And lastly, the lone team that didn't make the playoffs in the NFC West being the Seattle Seahawks. And honestly, this had been a long time coming. But I don't mean it in the way that you think, but this was bound to happen at times. The Seahawks falling off. But it's mostly because everybody's wrote wrote them off because without the Legion of Boom. But Russell Wilson was the, would be the only one that would prevent them from going downhill. And this season, he couldn't do just that. As he was limited to 14 games after suffering a middle finger injury. In which he had to get surgery for that. And it also didn't help much matters it, that Chris Carson was limited to four games this year. But a late bloomer emerged from the ashes, and he might have a nifty payday free agency time. That being Rashad Penny, who had had 749 yards and six touchdowns, with most of those yardage yards coming at the end of the season, with putting up four 100 oh. Four games with him putting up four, 100 yards, and especially with the last three. And for receivers, it was a big year for Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, as this season was Lockett's third 1,000-yard season, as he becomes the second St- Seahawks wide receiver to do so since Hall of Famer Steve Largent did that years ago. And DK Metcalf held his own with 967 yards and 12 touchdowns. I mean, they aren't, wasn't better than last season. Even though last season, DK Metcalf was on beast mode. But one of the main reasons why the Seahawks weren't that good was mostly because the defense kind of collapsed at times. I mean, you still had Bobby Wagner putting up over 100, 100 tackles all year. And you also had Jordan Brooks have 184 tackles overall but it was mostly the secondary that wasn't that great i mean yeah you still had quandre Diggs putting having five interceptions on the year and jamal blitz boy adams had two interceptions on the year but with him it's not really much to brag about but it's mostly that they haven't had a top tier secondary since the legion of boom with richard sherman cam chancellor and earl thomas and it's mostly why they get decimated once playoffs come roll around. And there have been a lot of buzz around the around the league that this season might be Russell Wilson's last season as a Seattle Seahawk and also Pete Carroll's final year as head coach. But according to Seahawks management that those rumors have been false, you never know. Maybe in, in a little bit, like next couple of days or months, Pete Carroll could possibly step down as Seahawks head coach. We don't know. And then the next thing you know, that Russell Wilson gets traded to the Saints. I mean, that's probably, that probably won't happen, but it's part of a little bit of an example of management flip-flopping. What stinks for the Seahawks is that they don't have their first round pick as part of the Jamal Adams trade. As that pick went to the Jets, all they got to do is hope they can find the late round gems in the next few drafts or else this team's pretty screwed. And that will wrap up this episode of the Stumpy Show. I pretty much said what I had to say about all those teams who did not make it into the playoffs and what they could possibly improve on in the offseason. But the real question is, will those teams listen and make those improvements? 
or will they continue to be awful and not do that? And as always, I'm your host, Kyle Stump, a.k.a. Stumpy, and I'll see you next time. Bye bye